Hi everyone, I'm Troy Swanson. I'm one of the librarians at Moraine Valley and I'm thrilled to welcome you to this panel discussion um, that is part of our One Book, One College program um, that's connected to Eve Ewing's book 1919, which is a book of poetry about the um, 1919 race riots. Today we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to focus on Eve Ewing's pop culture work. We're going to focus on her comics. She's one of those unique individuals that is um, a researcher, a novelist, a poet, and she writes comic books. And so to do our justice with our program, we want to talk about the, her comics writing because it really is unique, and I think she brings a lot um, to that medium. So to do that today, um, I'm very happy to welcome Adon Alvarado and Ronell Whitaker. And I'd like to ask each of you guys, if you would, um, to introduce yourselves. Whoever wants to jump for it, go ahead, jump in. I'm Adon, alphabetically, yeah, you have to go first. I'll go, I got you, I got you. <laughs> So I'm Adon Overado. Uh, I'm an English teacher at Bloom High School in Chicago Heights. I teach American Lit, African American, and Latin American literature there. Thanks. So. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, I'm Ronell Whitaker, the English Department Curriculum Chair uh, for the South South Suburban Chicago District of a, a bunch of schools, <laughs> Community <laughs> High School District 218. I, I, you know, it's hard for me every time I have to do these introductions. I have to like remember where I work. I've had like four <laughs> different jobs. Right. Um, but yeah, no. I so I'm like the, the head of the English department for uh, for South Suburban Chicago schools. Okay. Well, thank you both uh, for joining me. Um, we do appreciate your time and expertise. So, I mean, I guess to get us started, let me just ask. Um, let's learn a little bit about you know Eve Ewing and um, talk about maybe I don't know if you want to start us with her background, if anyone, um, any bi biographical information, like why is e-viewing notable within comic books? I mean, I, you know, here's what I'll, I'll start with, which is wild to me. I had never heard of e-viewing um, before, like following her on Twitter. Uh, like I think back then her name was like Wikipedia Brown or something like that. <laughs> And it was just like, oh, this is just a cool, like, voice to be aware of. Um, and like most women on that space, um, when you deign to talk about anything nerdy or make an assertion that something could change, you know, be different in that space, um, you can get alternately vilified as well as amplified, right? So that's how she kind of got on, on, on my radar. And that's, um, I think I became aware of her when she was kind of making the push for, um how powerful it would be if we had more people of color um, who were creators in, in these spaces, right? And it was so funny because when she got the, the uh, Ironheart book, um, there was a bunch of these, uh, I'm realizing that we're on like this family thing, so I won't say what I was gonna say. <laughs> there were a bunch of these people uh, of a movement who objected to her getting that book. Um, and they used things like, you know, tokenism and, and um, you know, race higher, all that kind of stuff to kind of justify that. Some first even said like she only got the job because of her hair, uh, and it was just interesting uh, to kind of yeah. have that backdrop with having just started following her and seeing like this intelligent, really cool woman who is an amazing poet, and then go, oh, she's about to write like a comic book, like I'm in, right? And then to find out that this comic create, you know, that she's creating is a a black girl from the south side of Chicago is like bet I'm doubling, right? So, I mean, I, I don't know if I can really give biographical, um, you know, background, but, I, but that's that's why I first became aware of who E.B. was. 
Yeah, uh, for me it was, um, uh, I have been coaching um, a slam poetry team for my high school for the last like five years. Um, and we've been competing in the Louder and the Bomb tournament. Um, so just like working with YCA, with Young Chicago Authors, and going through their like programs, um, into their workshops, like I just got familiar with just a lot of Haymarket authors in general, uh, Haymarket poets. Uh, so then I came across you know some of her poems through those workshops. Um, you know, picked up Electric Arches and just kind of fell in love from there. Um, and then when I found out she was writing, you know, uh, both Ronell and I are part of an organization, uh, LitX, that focuses largely on pop culture, but also, um, you know, we kind of kind of uh, hit the ground running with comic books in the classroom. Um, so when I found out that she was writing a comic book, I was all in uh, from the get-go. Uh, I, 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 to be honest, I'm going to be honest, I did, as somebody who does not spend a lot of time on Twitter, I didn't know all the things that were going into it, but now that you're saying it, that uh, seems to be par for the course anytime you bring in some, um, you know, some dope outside creator into right in this space, people are going to say some, again, to keep it friendly, dumb stuff. Right. Yeah, it, she's a great follow on Twitter, and we've—I uh, know—I've tweeted out a couple things that we're doing in relation to her book, and she's retweeted it. And I'm always like, "Yeah, she's retweeted." So, um, she's definitely, you know, interactive and is is great. So, I um, mean, you, so you guys mentioned um, Ironheart, so I think that's probably a great place to start because that's probably her most known work. So, mm. um, can we talk about Ironheart? Like, what is what is Ironheart, and um, why should people read it? Maybe, and and what's what is it? What does she bring uh, to that book? Oh man, why should she read it, or why should people read it? I mean, for for everything. I mean, I think for just from just a little bit, like everybody should read it. But if you're like you're from Chicago, you definitely should read it because like there's just there just feels like so much of Chicago. Not just the character uh, is from Chicago, but like just in the way that she speaks and the language that she uses. I'm sure it's language that is used, uh, you know, around the country. But just being from Chicago, like when you um, just see like some of the stuff that she's tossing out there, you know, when she's like leaving a room and she's saying deuces, or when she's calling stuff like whack, or when everything's got that A at the end. Um, you know, it's it's just it's just nice. Uh, <laughs> it, one one I think one that like uh, I think is, and I don't want to put words in Ronell's mouth, but I'm pretty sure like the first time I heard it was actually from Ronell, and then she uses it quite a bit, which is like kick rocks. Right, which is like, uh, which is like, uh, she 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 loves using that to like uh, in that thing. So just like I think the language from a, from a, from like just jumping off is like something that you just kind of brings you in, right? It's a language that is not often used uh, in comic books. Uh, so that's just from the get go. When you want to start talking about like the deeper themes that she's bringing into, which I think we'll probably get into, um, I think there's a lot to talk about. But I do want to let you know, Ronell, just jump in on those. On and, his like initial thoughts. Maybe for... Ronald, could you set us like so? Who is Ironheart? Like, you know, what is who is yeah, that as a hero? Yeah, yeah. Ironheart is this fifteen-year-old uh, black girl from the south side of Chicago, um, who is also a genius. Um, she figures out how to build her own Iron Man suit just from you know plans that she gets off the black market. Um, that's like the the pitch for who she is, right? Uh, she wouldn't be a superhero if it weren't for that background of tragedy. And we know that living in this city, um, there is no um, no shortage of tragedy that, that often can be visited upon, you know, young black and brown people. So that definitely plays into 
her story. Um, so she kind of uses that to fuel her own superhero ethos. Um, I mean, I you know, it's just a really cool, it's a fun update of, of that storyline. Like, I, we have to kind of remember, in the grand scheme of things, a lot of these characters are like 50, 60 years old. Batman just hit, like, I think, was it 80 or something like yeah, that? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So, like 39, I, mean, I think, you know, he, was born, he was created in, 1939. Yeah, right? So to have, like, this refresh that, that feels like a lot newer and a lot more, you know, present, I think, was necessary, right? And I think it kind of gets to what Adon was saying. Like, one of the things I treasure the most about this character, and even as a writer, is, like, there's an authenticity that comes with what she's doing, right? Like, I've, you know, Adon and I have been all around the country talking about um, comics in the classroom. And one of my favorite characters is, is Miles Morales, Spider-Man, right? Created by, um, by Brian Michael Bendis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is that who? I think yes. that is, right? Yes. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm blanking. Yeah. It is, yes. So, um, you know, and it's interesting, the story of that creation, right? You know, Miles Morales is an Afro-Latina kid um, from Brooklyn, right? And, and this idea that this... Uh, you know, this white guy who, with all the good intentions, um, and has, like, you know, uh, you know, kids who are, um, I think his kid is black or half black, um, has a very specific point of view, right? But it took me reading the novelization of Miles Morales' story by Jason Reynolds, you know, written by a black man that made me go, oh, this is what we get with someone who's actually lived and experienced rights of character versus someone who is writing life from the outside, right? There's, of course, no limit to what people can write. I mean, I totally am in that camp, but there's also something that you can maybe sacrifice in authenticity. And the first thing I do when I read, reread, like I'm turning pages and I'm like, oh, this is so black. This is so South Side. (laughs) Real. And it was so cool because I I think about like the kids who I've, and I go like, how amazing would it be for those kids to finally fully see themselves realize a medium that they're used to it being like a bunch of you know white dudes right like it's just interesting to say i see myself living in something and then it goes to a different place i think adam was getting there right like this idea that there are things that she's able to explore because she's grounded and because she's so authentic that will land different than you know some 50 year old guy who's never lived here and is trying to address, you know, gun violence in the city, um, or who has a different point of view than what even you know has, who is notoriously, um, you know, pro kid, uh, notoriously pro education, who has spoken out about how a lot of the violence that we see in our city are a direct result as a lack of resources and not so much um, the need for more policing. Right. So this is a person who's bringing all this stuff to her writing and it just lends an authenticity to it that we have been missing and i think marvel honestly and a lot of the other big two of the big three have done this too but marvel has really leaned into hiring some folks that are just outside of the, the norm and it's showing up on the page like it's just showing up a lot um a lot better in a lot of ways to me. well it's it's interesting that you bring up um bendis because bendis is the one who actually um in, you know, brought made the character ironheart but I feel like it's Ewing who has, in, I mean, I, you, you can tell me if I'm right or wrong on this, but Ewing has made that character more authentic, right? She's sort of reinvented it from yeah. where Bendis put it. Like, it's it's a, it's one thing to to have a desire to diversify comics and pop culture, 
But when it's, like you said, when it's a bunch of like middle-aged white guys trying to do it, there's only so far you're going to go with it, right? And so... Yeah, um, you've said there's, there's no one on this planet who would say that that character belongs to Bendis. No, right? Yeah, 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 right. No, yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. It's cool that, that you brought that up. It's like yeah. she is ironheart at this point. Yeah, totally. Um, so I want to. You, you've said so much. I want to um, maybe unpack some of this um, and maybe look to Adon because you had mentioned in some of the notes that we had shared um, discussions of of uh, micro and macro trauma. Could you? Um, explain what you mean by that and how you see that um, in her work. Yeah, I mean, just as like Ronell was talking about, like uh, she's a superhero, so there's going to be some sort of past trauma that fuels their need to be a superhero to begin with, right? But again, I'm thinking because Eve Ewing is who she is um, from a generational aspect, from the fact that she's a black woman, like she's coming at it from a completely different perspective. Even something as simple as, and I'm going to get to the micro and macro in a second, but. Uh, even something as simple as like, you know, the the AI that's in Ironheart isn't like this like sort of ego driven uh, sort of AI that AI that comes from Tony Stark, right? She creates while it's a it's a it's a painful painful acronym. She creates Natalie, right, who is her best yeah. friend, and she creates her solely for the purpose of keeping her in check, right? Like her her whole idea of an AI is saying what are the things that I could succumb to? What are my weaknesses? And who's the person from my past that could keep me in check from those things, right? Which kind of the opposite end of Tony Stark uh, to a certain extent, at least early on uh, before they started, you know, having a more well-developed Tony Stark. Um, from the micro and macro, that, that Natalie is part of that micro trauma, right? It's the individual trauma that Ironheart's bringing to this persona, this, this superhero she is. Um, and, and because of that, because of that violent past in which she lost multiple people to gun violence uh, in Chicago, she approaches being a superhero in a very different way. It's very um, strategic. Uh, she's looking for the best way to to sort of um, sort of solve the issue without, you know, you know, destroying cities uh, and, and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, and from and from a, from a macro perspective. When we're talking about Eve Ewing taking control of this character, as Ronell said, like nobody's going to say this is Bendis' character, it's because from the get-go she gets Ironheart talking in the first issue using Maya Angelou, right? Like that's that's her first quote, and not okay. only is she using Maya Angelou, like she's using a poem, um, like "Still I Rise," which is largely about one's ancestors and all that all that they have to overcome, right? And Riri, as a black woman, is not only dealing with her own micro trauma, right? Like she's dealing with the macro trauma from generations of, you know, being oppressed, of being uh, looked at poorly, of not being considered a genius, of probably having heads turned when you end up in the halls of MIT. Uh, so like she's battling all these things, not only from her own personal trauma, but from the trauma of just being who she is on a larger scale in America and from Chicago. When, when I read the, the, um, her issues, you know, like the the storyline. There's there's a lot of people that are novelists or other writers that don't transition well into comics. It's a whole it's mm -hmm. a, it's its own thing, right? Um, mm -hmm. I am always super impressed by the layers of stories, and even like she's built in from the beginning stories that mm -hmm. are going to evolve and grow over the life of this character. And so I don't know if 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 you can um, talk a little bit about. Uh, maybe how you see Ewing doing that and, and um, how successful she's been? 
Yeah, um, I mean, it, it's kind of evident in the fact that they've given her the keys to the kingdom as far as it, it goes with these younger characters, right? Like, she has this book. Um, she wrote the uh, that Miss Marvel team up um, book, which was really cool. And then she's also taken over Champions, right? And, like, I don't, I don't know if you remember this, Adon, but, like, one of the things that really kind of burned me up about the Champions book, which made me kind of jump off, I'm not denigrating the other writer. It's, was fine, which that wasn't Al Ewan, was it? Because that'd be weird. Um, but the, the initial writer of that that book, the one thing that bugged me the most was um, he would have them things that always came across, that say things that always came across like, hello, fellow teenagers, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. always this weird, like, yeah, like, you don't speak the language, man, don't, don't try it. Just write on some other kind of way or something, but like, I think they recognize that, right? And she's also writing, like, this outlawed um, yes. uh, uh, event series, which, again, you know, if you know anything about the way Big Two comics work, at least, you don't give somebody that architecture role unless you completely trust them with that, right? And she's getting to, like, build this entire world. I think that speaks to um, her skill and, like, her ability to speak the language of comics. It's one of those weird things, right? I, Adon brought up the idea of Riri being this kind of avatar in a lot of ways of like black women have to deal with the macro and micro, you know, traumas, right? And I think that through Ewing's work, you know, as a sociology professor, as this poet, as someone who, you know, walks the talk, I think that lends itself to her work. So she's in a place where she can talk about superheroism and and um you know the reality of actually having to live in your space or live in this world in the the space you occupy as a young muslim girl as a young black girl as a young afro-latinx male um all those are things i think that she is more invested in than some of the other writers might be and it's just as a result of living um in that other a lot more than some people haven't had the opportunity or willingness to do so when you read her stuff it's like yeah again it just lands like it it's funny how real stories can work as stupid old stories i want to give a don a chat if you want to if there's anything you want to add into that oh no i mean i, I guess i was gonna say in terms of like like how um like she's sort of bringing her sort of uh like background and and, t and taking hold of these stories, I think Ronell touched about it and he touched about it er, talked about it earlier when he said like she's about kids, man. So like it, that's why it just makes sense that she takes on that champion's book uh, and 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 those characters and that storyline because everything that she's done professionally and even the content of most of her 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 her, her collections, even if you look at 1919, which is largely about looking back at history but it's largely also to, to, to analyze and reflect on history and how it's impacting the present, how it's impacting these, these kids today in our neighborhoods, in our school systems. She wrote an entire book about that um, from a sociological you know, perspective. And it, she's just the right person to take on those characters and that story. And again, I think that authenticity of not only who she is, where she's coming from and the care that she brings to it, but just the fact that she can write in that language that just makes it, not only more enjoyable, but like Ronell said, just more authentic. Um, so yeah, that's 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 all I would say about about those other stories that she's doing. Could, could we talk a little bit more about some of the other titles that you've mentioned, just to make sure that people who are listening that may not be familiar 
um, maybe get a little preview. And if, if Ironheart doesn't sound like the direction they want to go, maybe they want to jump into Champions or some of the other, other works. Sure, and these are relatively new, but do you want to jump right now? Jump on. Yeah, I mean, the one that, that to me felt the least e-viewing, but the most. And I'm looking to the side because I have another monitor that has, like, the other um, books on it. Um, the Miss Marvel team-up book, which is just straight up, like, a comic, right? Like, it's straight up, like, this. Uh, we're taking this Miss Marvel character, and she's teaming up with um, Peter Parker and... Carol Danvers, and I feel like she might get to uh, Spider-Man, but I can't. Miles Morales, Spider-Man, I can't remember. I only read those first two. But it's just fun, and like the humor that she brings in, in, into those two. Uh, the 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 Peter Parker one is a is a body switch story. So if you're like me, and I, I, I suspect this of her too, and you grew up in a time when there were no less than, what, four body swap movies? When you were kids? <laughs> <laughs> that is a, a, a genre of fiction that you're like, oh, I dig this. I, I can dig into this, right? And she plays with all those jokes, and it's it's just fun the way that she embodies that. Um, she, I think, has this way of finding not only her own voice, but mimicking the voice of those well-established characters and bringing them into her fold and kind of making them... Um, play by her rules, which is really, like, interesting, I think. And then Outlawed is the new series that's coming up, slash, it's kind of like leaning into something right now, so it's talking about this uh, world where they're going to outlaw teen heroes. I mean, I've only basically started, barely started that book, but I feel like knowing who she is and knowing what um, Nguyen's voice is, um, there's some really interesting social commentary that can come out of that, and the idea of, like, looking at our, where we are currently and the role that the youth are playing in changing our actual world right now. Let's talk about a world in the comics where they're talking about limiting youth access to being able to, to affect change. I think this is an easy home run for her to, to knock out of the park. Like, you can kind of see where she might go, but I'm interested to see how she takes this. And this has got, like, it's got some, it's got some, like, dual layers here, too, because she does focus lar- heavily on just the idea and the concept of invisibility, um, you know, with, with, with uh, um, Ironheart from not only from, like, like, an ethnic cultural perspective, but also from a generational one. And she's really, you know, diving headfirst into that with this outlawed like event series type thing because like I said like Ronell said these are essentially teen superheroes who are saying you can't do this and you can't do this because we care about you and we don't want and we don't want you to get hurt right so there's very, this very like manipulative and 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 malicious sort of uh, idea going on here with just limiting people's powers and essentially like infantilizing them um, from their ability to have any sort of agency um, so, and I think, I think for, for just teaching high school students, uh, I know that they often feel that way. Um, and we often just as educators and as people who are the head of institutions, you know, do that to them, um, in various ways, sometimes, um, you know, consciously, sometimes not. So it's, it's, it's I'm looking forward to this series and, uh, and this storyline in general. It's really interesting when you look at, like, these new characters, right, or these characters that are old that have been kind of repurposed, 
like you look at a squirrel girl you look at uh miss marvel you look at spider-man miss um uh a nova to a certain extent and you look at like and uh amadeus cho right and you look at all these characters who are young and the writers are approaching how what they've done in a way where it's like it's all about challenging status quo it's never been about coming in and like just beating people up or mm -hmm. if i have to resort to that form of superheroism i have to constantly be mindful of this idea of what are the repercussions of my action right like miss marvel is all about protecting jersey city and it's hurt when it feels like what her actions have led to something that harmed jersey city right um Eviewing is territorial i'm sorry uh really is territorial about chicago and it's all about acting locally um as well as acting globally to impact that right and then you look at a squirrel girl who all of her stuff is about like i'm unbeatable but why would i want to fight you i'd rather figure out how to make friends with you or how to like <laughs> each time some of the aggression you have right i think it speaks to again these new voices that they're bringing in that are saying we have people who are gonna learn from these books and why should we make them learn that punching somebody is the first thing you need to do to solve your problems, right? <laughs> and I, I just think it's cool that, that those are the voices that are being elevated right now. It's all genres kind of go through their reinventions, and maybe this is the start of a of a new reinvention for comics. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I, I think yeah, it is. It might be. At some point, we went through this, like a reinvention where it was like, oh, we're just going to give you these dour, sad, adult comic books. <laughs> right. Like, the argument was always like, why aren't these made for kids anymore, right? And I think you're starting to see that transition back to like, yeah, no, like, we should make them for kids, and we should be very cognizant of what we're placing in front of them. Um, so it's kind of, it's nice. Like, Ronell's description of this is a fun book, that's not something you're saying about, like, Frank Miller's Batman, right? Like, yeah, exa like, exactly, right? yeah. And, and, and so much that came after it, right? It was just <laughs> right. like, it's, yeah. it's played um, itself out so yes you know I, I think we've touched on this a little bit but just to ask the question and make sure um just a little bit more like what does e-viewing bring to comics that others don't just if there's anything further that we should we should touch on um again i i would say that um just like her background in in, in sort of being very conscious about those like social aspects and then how they end up manifesting themselves and just little things right so it there's there's again a scene in the first like volume of of line armor being in the first in the first uh issue in which like you know the the people from mit or the college comes in um into her lab and they're like hey showing everybody around because they have to have you know investors and people who are going to write money to them um and she's showing them like the different stuff that she's working on and like one of them is like forensic visors, right? And like probably not the thing that's like the sexiest thing to show like in a comic book, right? If you're working on these things, like where's the blasters and stuff like that, right? She's like forensic visors. Yeah. And she talks about how like um like how uh they can like uh detect any sort of like, you know, DNA and blood pattern and all that stuff. So a lot of people might be like, Oh, who cares? But like to somebody who's a sociologist and coming where she comes from, like, that's a big deal, given how many people have been wrongly imprisoned for right. poor, poor, poorly gathered evidence, for people who have had to take plea deals due to poor, you know, poorly gathered evidence, and all these things of just people from the community that have had to deal with uh, this issue, right? So just to have something like forensic visors, 
which again is I'm sure a very cognizant thing on her part. I don't think she's just like, what's a cool thing to do? Forensic visors, right? Like it's it's a very a very conscious decision on her part to do that, right? Um, and and then there's like, and then she shifts over to like the suit that, and she says like it's a suit that can withstand infinite amount of pressure, right? And it's cool because she talks about going deep down into the ocean with it. But it's, you know, you can't also ignore the fact that it's also a metaphor, right? Like, here's Riri Williams stepping into this suit that has to be able to take this infinite amount of pressure from all the fanboys and all the other individuals who are, who are Ron Al alluded to that I didn't know, or actually said specifically, were complaining about her taking over this book, right? And not only her taking over this book, but Riri stepping into this Iron Man, you know, pos- this Iron Man, like, uh position even though iron man still exists so i don't understand what's the issue but just like j- just the fact that uh this other character right this young black girl is now an iron man equivalent bothers some people for insane reasons so just this idea that uh that the suit has to be able to withstand immense amounts of pressure so i think there's just little things like that that's very literary and very conscious from a sociological standpoint and she does it throughout uh, i hope at some point we can just talk about just the 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 motto or, or the mantra that becomes Riri's thing, um, because I think even that stands in stark contrast to Peter Parker's, which 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 may have to do with, as Ronell said, some of these books are 50, 60 years old, right? Uh, and their characters' inceptions are you know, decades old. Um, but also just, again, the the author who's writing it is also bringing a very different perspective. Uh, I kind of ran on a little bit there, so Ronell, if you want to jump in, sorry. <laughs> no, I, I did want to. I did want to extend that metaphor a little bit. The um, the skin that she's stepping into, or the skin that she's in, right? There's this duality of that because then there's also the idea of the strong black woman trope that she's playing with, and this idea that she feels like she has to be strong, she has to do this on her own, and she has to fight the world basically by herself and solve all these problems. And, and again, that's a perspective that only someone who lives that reality could address, right? Because then she has, you know, re-redo things that might be more healthy for her, like going to a lost support group with her mom or even giving her the role model of her mother or her stepfather who talked a lot about how important it was to own the things that you dream about, right? So, like, mm-hmm. the stuff that, again, you I've never seen approached in this medium before. And I, I don't want people to, like, get mixed up like this isn't um a book that's just like a protest book right like it's not that's <laughs> yeah, not, yeah. It's, it's, right this is a comic at the end of the day she fights you know villains blows stuff up <laughs> plaza, obviously. she does iron man stuff yeah. yes it's just that yes. there's you have this really smart and nuanced person writing it and understanding that all literature should have some meaning underneath it and even like a standard understood that it's just that um there's more nuance to what you know Eve you want to bring to the table I think than anybody else can do yeah totally and and I think there's a lot of different ways you could read the comic right you know it's, it's definitely oh. fun like you said it's it's fun it's it's a it's a straight up superhero story uh, but they're also like it, it's it's not in your face like the the um, still I rise quote right if you didn't know what that was, and it's in quotes, so it's it's perp- like it's not on accident, right? That's there on purpose. Mm-hmm. It's there yeah. with meaning, and you could go track down what that meant. But if you didn't know what it meant and you didn't catch it, it doesn't ruin the story. Like it doesn't, no. you know, like the whole thing doesn't hinge on you getting some reference that maybe you don't know. So you can find a, a lot of different um, access points 
um, to appreciate and uh, and get this. And so, um, yeah. There's also just there's also just fun like pop culture stuff in there, right? Like they're having like conversations about shows, and they have the hip hop debate, and he's complaining like, "How's Jay Z not in your top five? And then she chastises him for not loving yeah. like a tribe called Quest. Like there's just fun things in there that have that you know don't require this sort of deep analysis. Uh, but they're there for you if you want it, which is nice. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, did, did you want to talk more, Don, about the the motto and mantra? You, you mentioned it and, and brought up with great power. but um, so- uh, Yeah, because I just think, uh, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Uh, it's great. You know, I love I love that mantra. I love that motto. It's 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 endured for a reason. Right. Like it's it's broad enough and 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 just like, um, you know, um, altruistic enough i guess to a certain degree to just enjoy but in hers and it comes i believe and i don't want to ruin this ron i mean you help me out if you can remember but this i think comes from her stepfather uh which you talked about how he plays a significant role in her life but he yeah. he, he says like i'm pretty sure it comes from him but he, she says like those who move with courage make the path for those who live in fear right uh, and that essentially yeah. ends up being you know the sort of thing she comes back to over and over as she sort of embraces this role as a superhero and i think that's quite a bit different from with great power comes great responsibility which is great but it's sort of she's saying you know it's it's got that sort of same idea right that like you have a responsibility as somebody who you know who's been given this gift in her case it's this gift of genius but there's also those that's like you don't only have the responsibility to to act and to protect these individuals, but you have a responsibility to to move them, to to inspire them, right? Um, that when you move with courage, when you show people uh, that that you can sort of achieve the things you never thought you could, that you could do the right thing when everybody else is telling you to do the wrong thing, when everybody else is doing it, uh, you you make that way for individuals to go ahead and do the same thing for themselves. So it's not only just saying that you have to do the right thing as somebody with great power. It's saying as somebody with great power, you have to inspire others to do the right thing as well. And I think that's taking that's taking it to that next level, uh, which I think is not again not. Uh, she, Eve Ewing does nothing by accident, right? She's far too intelligent <laughs> to to make any sort of uh, just happy accidents, right? So like, in, in, and she does this in her poetry as well, right? She's constantly going back towards these like, you know, these individuals, and and I know I. Can't, I can't think of what poem it's from, but I, I remember it's from Electric Arches because it's kind of stuck with me. And it's an Asada Shakur, Asada Shakur uh, quote, but and I'm paraphrasing, but it says like essentially like black black revolutionaries like aren't dropped from the moon, right? Like they're created through you know what they've endured, right? Or like through the conditions, through the context of who they are. Um, and and again, I'm paraphrasing there, so she obviously says it um, a lot more tact and a lot more poetically, but like that's a huge part of this character, right? And, and again, that's a huge part of all heroes. All heroes, like Ronald said right in the beginning, has this trauma, have this history, uh, you know, have the death of a beloved family member or, or something equivalent to it uh, that fuel who they are. But I don't think it's ever been, or, or at least not as, not as often, had this sort of take where it's like, not only are you taking all this history and this trauma, again, from a micro and macro perspective, but you're using it not just to fuel the kind of hero you're going to be, but the kind of influence you're going to have on those people around you as well. It's, it's almost like this um, community empowerment kind of philosophy yes. at the heart of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's like I can be the hero and I can be out in front, but um, I, I know who's behind me. I know who's with me, right? Like 
Um, yeah, and I think that um, connects so well uh, with readers. And, you know, you talk about empowering, especially like high school kids now that mm-hmm. may not see themselves always in pop culture. Um, you know, it's it's kind of a nice um, way to pull people in. So um, do we want to talk a little bit about some of her other works? I know you, you've already mentioned some, and we obviously mentioned 1919. Um, there's any other things that you want to point out or think that, that um, our listeners should hunt down? Yeah, I mean, if you are, um, you know, one of those people who is maybe tired of hearing people use what about Chicago as like a cudgel to beat you over the head with. Um, I definitely say check out uh, her book about education, Ghost in the Schoolyard. I think um, it's a very in-depth exploration of some of the some of the ways that as a city we have chosen to use our resources and that might explain um, and maybe maybe humanize the people that folks outside of here have a, a, a tendency to, to dehumanize. Um, I would also say again, like, you know, we can't speak about her comics without speaking about her poetry. So yeah, Electric Arches is an easy go out and buy like immediately um, again, every time I read her poetry, I'm always like transported to being like that high school kid who was riding the bus, you know, through the through the neighborhoods, and just like you see someone you know at every given point in her poetry, um, even if you aren't from here. So I, I say definitely check that out. Um, but I mean, you honestly should be reading Ironheart. Like that's <laughs> that's just bottom line, and I, I don't know. Has this book index? I know they have like this big omnibus coming out soon that collects like all of it. Um, I know that Iron Man 2020 came out too, and she was a part of that. But I think this is a book you need to read if you are at all interested in, you know, maybe opening your mind about, you know, where stuff could go. You know, recently we lost Chadwick uh, Bozeman, and there's a lot of talk about like what can we do with this, you know, this key player gone out of the Marvel Universe and you have um, Tony or Robert Jr. has left. And I think for those of us who are reading books like Shuri and Ironheart, um, you can think about this a lot more creatively than some people are. Like, we're not thinking, go out and get Daniel Craig. You know what I mean? Like, we're like, nah, we, you can put these girls in and they, they would kill this. Yeah. Miss Marvel. Like, where, where's Miss Marvel and all of this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I, I think if you if you are open to it, like you you have an opportunity to, I think think more creatively, and it, it's always just a good idea to open your mind up to this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I have a lot to a lot to add to a, to what Ronald just said. Check out her poetry collections. Uh, Electric Arch is a favorite of mine. We we take a look at a lot of poems from there just in school. Uh, 1919 is just an incredible work um, that I think could have been like really difficult in the hands of somebody else, uh, but she mm-hmm. handles it with such grace um, and such beauty. Even even to that point where she has like like I said, uh, one thing that struck me when I was reading that collection was just the um, um, she has one title with like there is no poem for this right, in which she just gives the straight account of one of the reports from the 1919 report. And it just tells you just just the horrific nature of what was happening. And she does not feel compelled to say, like, I'm going to write about this. She just says, I'm going to give you verbatim what's in this report because you should read this. And she understood that at that point, 
there's no there's no you know inspiration or translation that I need to do at this point. Just read what's in there because that alone speaks volumes, right? So like it's I, I think she just handles this stuff very you know very carefully. Even like uh, and I don't even I'm not sure if this is in one of her com- collections, but I love this poem, which is I saw Emmett Till at the grocery store, right? And it's just yes. it's, it's just this poem that has like here you are dealing with something that's just, you know, horrific and traumatic and still is very painful to many, many people. And yet she's handling it in this way. And she, and, and through discussing something as, as horrific as, you know, what happened to Emmett Till, she's able to talk about this man at the grocery store and how he's handling the peaches. I think it's the peaches might be plums, but how he's handling the fruits um, and how just the way he's handling it, you know, sort of working as a metaphor for how the world handles these young black men. Right. And, um, it's just like Jesus, man. Like it's just, she's just a. Uh, just read her stuff, man. That's all. That's all. That's all I can say. Yes. Read her stuff and read Ironheart, because like everyone I was saying, it's just, it's just a brilliant piece of. Uh, it's just a brilliant comic book. Period. It, uh, take away all the things that we were just talking about, and Troy, you mentioned that it's just a good, fun comic book. That's it. But then you also get all the other layers that, if you want it, it's there, and it just makes it that much more uh, enriching. So. You know, I think one of the great things with hero stories is that life always is going to, no matter what, like we might not be flying around with our own Iron Man armor, but there will be challenges that we have to face, right? And that we have to be the hero of our own lives, kind of like to steal from Joseph Conrad a little bit, right? That at some point you've got to step up and be a hero. And I I feel like the, the great thing with her writing, I think this comes through in 1919, I think it comes through in Ironheart is that she does it in a way that empowers where you can feel like a normal person and still feel like a hero, right? I think that's a hard thing to do, which, to go back to what we said earlier, isn't what you get when you read, like, the old, you know, brooding, you know, tough Batman. Like, that's right. that's, yeah, that's yeah. not an everyday person. That's a billionaire who bought his own Batmobile, whatever, right? Like, this is, this is like, the kind of the grace and charm that I think Ewing um, brings to these hero stories, for sure, so... Um, and if there's any other closing comments you want to make, if not, I, I appreciate your time and I'll just thank you both. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that the last thing I do want to kind of point out, Adon hinted at this, um, we are a part of a collective oh, yes, of teachers yes. called LitX, um, that explores and encourages ways to, you know, incorporate our culture into your classroom, um, and into education. I think while that's our push, I think that even those of you at home who aren't educators, I think this is a time now where you can start to look around you and say that, you know, pop culture doesn't have to be an escape. It can be a tool and or opportunity to learn more about the world around you and to learn more about things that maybe you weren't as informed about. 1919 is a great example of that. But I mean, even listening to like a Kendrick Lamar would be the same thing that kind of allows you to explore something outside of your own world so i you know we're going to be starting up a lot more even like this you know partnering with folks like troy to talk about you know ways to to use pop culture in your life as a way to you know edify yourself and i i, I encourage you to go out and do even more of that even without mess up 100 i know um in our library we like the great works but we know that the real stories we read are things like comic books and the movies we watch and the music we listen mm-hmm. to so um, thank you for your work, and I, I thank you both um, for your time. And uh, we will definitely bring you when we get back to normal life. We'll bring you into the library to do this in person. So, thank you very right, much. Man, thank you for having us, man. Appreciate thank it. <laughs> Can't wait.